Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Theo Hickmat here. Friends call me Jason Zelda, singer, songwriter, Bible teacher, and now author of the new ebook, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse, a handbook for reaching Jehovah's Witnesses for Jesus. It took me about a year to write this, and I put it in PDF form. That way, anybody will be able to read it without much difficulty. You'll find it at my website, jasonzelda.xyz jasonzelda.xyz and the cost is very affordable for anybody anything you want to pay over two dollars you can get it for three dollars or you can pay whatever you want over three dollars for the ebook more than 500 pages of valuable information to help you reach your Jehovah Witness friends and family or any Jehovah Witnesses you happen to come across. I'll cover a lot of topics, a lot of chapters within this ebook, and I really hope that it'll be very beneficial to you all. Now, I want to start off before we begin by explaining a few things. If I don't appear to be very animated today, if I don't appear to be very energetic today, if I don't appear to be uh, 100%, it's because I'm not. Uh, today is Thursday. On Monday I had a surgery. The surgery did not go well. The doctor cut a polyp out of my system and did not seal up the bleeding properly. So I ended up back in the hospital Monday night into Tuesday. And it's a long story. Don't really want to get a lot into it because I don't want to bore you with the stuff. But I just nearly bled out and lost a lot of blood. And uh, thank goodness for the day shift doctors at this hospital because the night shift doctors really didn't seem to care about the situation that I was in when I came in there because they literally left me sitting in the emergency room for over eight to nine hours without even addressing the fact that I was bleeding out. So uh, I'm not 100% right now, but I don't want to make any excuses. It's been probably a year and a half since I've done a Bible study video and I'm going to jump right back into it, getting right back down to what it's all about and even got myself a my good old-fashioned King James Bible same one like before but this time red cover I gave the black cover version to a very very dear friend of mine and I hope she'll use it now in my earlier video I asked that uh, you'd send me some questions if you have any questions about the Bible and so forth and I'm going to try to answer some of these questions for you okay so we're going to jump into this I'm going to answer three questions it should take I don't know maybe an hour hour 15 minutes to answer all three we'll see how long it takes I'm not really sure let's just go ahead and jump into it I'm going to start off first of all with a question that was asked to me by Dr. Richmond 4477 he says Jason what are your thoughts on the divine name King James Bible and I'll let you guys read the rest of it but that's his main question what are my thoughts on a book out there calling itself the divine name King James Bible so I went and looked into it and I want to explain a little something first of all this is what we call today a King James Bible. This one here is over 300 years old. This is not going to be improved upon. The moment somebody goes in and they change one word of this book, it's no longer a King James. I want that to be understood. There's a lot of people out there who want to make money selling Bible translations and they want to do it at the expense of the King James Bible. They like to walk on the King James Bible, attack the King James Bible, put down the King James Bible and so forth, but they always feel the need to use the King James Bible to try to elevate themselves. 
When it comes to this so-called divine name, King James Version, I have several problems with it. First of all, it's not a King James Bible. Why do I say it's not a King James? Because the King James translator did not insert the word Jehovah and Jah in the Old and New Testament because they knew it didn't belong in there like that. This is a translation. The word Jehovah translated means the Lord. Thus it was translated as the Lord. So when it comes to this divine name King James Bible, here are some questions that I had. First of all, who put this thing together? Now in my ebook, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse, I have a chapter dealing with the King James Bible and who put it together and compared it to the Jehovah's Witness Bible and who put it together. And as you see on your screen, these are the people who are responsible for the King James Bible and their credentials. And you will see that these men, they knew their stuff. These men were qualified to translate a Bible. But when it comes to the Jehovah's Witness Bible, you ask a Jehovah Witness, who put together your Bible version? They have no idea, nor do they care. Their leaders have taught them not to even care, don't even think about who put together your translation. You should. It matters. It matters to know the names of the people. It matters to know whether these men or women were even qualified to translate a Bible. And when it comes to this so-called divine name, King James Bible, they call it. They claimed it was put together by a man named Jack W. Davidson. One guy? That's the only guy's name that appears on the book. One guy. King James Bible has 50, 60 guys. This one, one guy. But there's some issues with this one guy. Who in the world is Jack W. Davidson? That's the big question mark floating around out there. Because when you look up Jack W. Davidson, you run into a brick wall fast because there's no real information about who this person is. No information about background, credentials, nothing. Zero. I personally think it's a made-up name. Just so that they can say that the book has an author. I think it's a made-up name. Why? Because of my next question. What publishing house put together this so-called divine name King James Version? Well, the divine name King James Version was put together by... It says here, the Divine Name Publishers. Okay. And what's their address? They don't have one. There is no address for Divine Name Publications. So you have an author that has no credentials. You have a publishing house that has no address. Even when you go onto their website, what do you find? The official website for their Bible version. They have a copy of their book, or a picture of their book, I should say. Their promotion of their book. Even a little button on there that says, click here, like here to read the divine name, King James Version. But when you click it, what happens? Do you get to read it? No. You go to this page here, it takes you to this page here, which has absolutely nothing to do with the so-called divine name King James Version. Why would anybody trust this? You got an author who nobody knows who it is, a publishing house where nobody knows where it is, a website that leads you to nowhere. doesn't sound like a very trustworthy Bible to me. And it angers me that he would slap a King James name on this and try to pass this off as being a King James version. 
But then again, does this person even exist? Somebody's making the money because he's asking $35 a pop for everybody that wants to get a copy of this. And there's a lot of people, sadly, who's fallen for it and has paid their 35 bucks. And in some cases, they paid their $35 and what they got in the mail wasn't even a so-called divine name King James Bible. It was a completely different book. Look at the comments. Dr. Richmond 4477 asked me what did I think of the divine name King James Version. It's not a King James Version. It's a fake. It's somebody out there making money who wants to stay hidden. As a matter of fact, on their Gumroad page, they actually have a Gumroad page for their divine name King James Version. Yet when you look at the page, it actually says they're not really selling a product. There's nothing there to buy. It's just a statement. So what's the statement? It says, who are we? The Divine Name Publishers are a small and insignificant publishing company originally commissioned to produce a Bible for a collector. That's a very interesting way to start off who they are. Because again, they're being incredibly vague. Who's the collector? Who is the one who commissioned you? Who is behind this? No answers given. It goes on to say, with our revision of the 1611 AKJV, that would be the authorized King James Version, we hope that a dialogue between Bible readers and publishers of modern English Bibles that have avoided at all costs the use of this sacred and unique name of the Almighty will ensue. Now, if you're putting this together for a collector, one guy or one group. Yet you're wanting your particular Bible to influence all Bible readers so that they will see things your way by the use of this name in the Old and New Testament that you call the sacred name. There's a little bit more here than what they're getting at. Because this is not just a group that put together a particular writing for a collector. They're up to something far bigger than this, as you can see by what they're saying here. They go on to say, we have thought long and hard. Who is the we? Who is the we who have thought long and hard? No clue. We have thought long and hard about how to represent ourselves. We are serious Bible experts with over 120 years of Bible research and study between us. We fully recognize the seriousness of our claim to have restored the divine name to its rightful place into the text of the King James Version of the Bible. Well, first of all, who do you think you are that you as one guy or one group of anonymous people who do not give your names, do not give your credentials, do not give your address, do not give anything for us to give you any trust whatsoever is going to tell us who have a King James Bible that has been tried, true, trustworthy and tested for more than 400 years put together by more than 50 qualified scholars who knew the ancient languages and you're going to say that your Bible, commissioned by someone unknown, collectors unknown, is to be more trusted than them? They give their names, you don't give your names. We knew their locations, we don't know your locations. We know who commissioned them, King James did. Who commissioned you? Let's see what else it says here. They say here, we wish to remain anonymous and let our peers establish our credentials for this refreshing new Bible translation. And folks, I got to say, this is, 
this is really bad. I mean, there's, there's no nice way to sugarcoat this. We got a group of people here that are working secretly behind the scenes to try to foist a so-called King James Bible onto the scene that has been altered. And they want to hide in the closet. They want to hide in the shadows and not let anybody know who they are. Yet they claim their work is so important. It doesn't make any sense. This sounds like the work of the Jehovah's Witness organization. What did they do? They claim that the divine name is Jehovah. Well, so does the divine name, so-called King James Version. They claim that they're trying to restore the name, the sacred name of Jehovah. Well, so does this translation. It's not even a translation. It's a revision. The translators of the Jehovah Witness Bible want to remain anonymous. Well, if you get my book, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse, I sort of give you some background as to who the translators are and the fact that they didn't have any credentials, which is why they didn't want their names known. Because if people knew that the people behind the Jehovah Witness Bible had no credentials, no authority whatsoever to be writing a Bible, who would take it seriously? In my book, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse, I go into the court case in which their lead translator was put on trial, and I show you the actual documents where he admits under oath that there was a gentlemanly agreement between them that they would not reveal each other's names even after death. Strangely, the makers of this so-called divine name King James Version says, we wish to remain anonymous and let our peers establish the credentials. What credentials? They don't know who you are. Nobody knows who you are. But you got their money. You got the money from a lot of people who is buying into this nonsense that you can improve on the King James Bible. It's a disgrace. So to Dr. Richmond, who asked me, what did I think of the divine name King James Bible? Number one, it's not a King James Bible. Number two, its author is a fake, a phony, a fraud, in my opinion. Who is this person? Why does he hide in the closet? Yet he wants your money. Why did he slap a King James name on his book? Why did he put his own name on the book and take the King James name off and see if his book would sell? And that's one of the things that bothers me. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of groups out there. They want to take the King James name and use that name to put money in their pocket. And they keep changing the Bible when they do it. Whether it's the so-called New King James, which is not a King James Bible at all, it's a fake, it's a conglomeration of a whole bunch of translations all thrown into one book with some sprinkled in altered King James Bible verses in, and they tried to pass it off as a New King James in the 1980s. And then about 25 years later, they came out with a revised version of the New King James and never told anybody they changed the book at all. So you could have two people in the room, both of them with a so-called New King James, one from the 1980s, one from the year 2000, and their Bibles don't even say the same thing, even though both of the covers say it's a New King James. I get fed up with the nonsense of people always attacking my King James Bible. But when it comes to making money, they'll quickly slap a King James name on the front of their book to try to get your money. I have no respect for this, none whatsoever. I would not recommend the so-called divine name King James Version. Get yourself the regular old authorized King James Version of the Bible. You're not going to beat it. You're not going to get better. And the so-called modern translations don't even come close to this. They're translated from completely different manuscripts in the King James Bible. They don't even teach the same thing. They change a lot of doctrines, remove verses, and they keep changing the modern versions every few years. So how are you even going to memorize your Bible, your modern translation, when it says one thing today and five years from now, they may come up with a revised version of your Bible that doesn't even say the same thing that your Bible says now. And if you think I'm lying, get yourself a new international version from the 1980s and get yourself one of the new international versions from today and go verse by verse and see the changes. But I can take this Holy Bible, because it wasn't called a King James Version in 1611. It was simply called the Holy Bible. I can take this. It's over 300 years old. 
printed in 1708 and I can set it down alongside my King James Bible today and word for word, doctrine for doctrine, verse for verse, it says the same thing. Words were spelt a little different back then because the English language was still maturing, but you can still read it. God's word doesn't change. It doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be updated. You don't need God's word version 2. You already got it here in the King James Bible. You don't need these other altered versions. And if you have trouble understanding the these thousand yees, again, I'll give you the these thousand yees definition in 30 seconds. Real simple. In the English language, we have the word you. The problem with the word you is you can be talking to one person and say you and you're, comp you're correct. You can be talking to a million people and say you and you'd still be correct. The King James translators were aware of that. Therefore, when they put together the King James Bible, they divided these terms of singular and plural. If you're talking to one person, they would use a T word, thee, thou, thy, or thine. If they're talking to more than one person, if the speaker is talking to more than one person, then they would use a Y word, you, your, or yours, or ye. So if it's a T word, the speaker is talking to one person, if it's a Y word, the speaker is talking to more than one person. Thee, thou, thy, and thine means you're talking to one person. You, your, ye, and yours means the person is talking to more than one person or talking about more than one person. Now you understand the these thousand yees and why they're so important to have in an English Bible. You don't need to run away from this King James Bible. It's going to tell you the facts and it's going to tell you things that the so-called modern versions are not. The second question that I was asked, they asked me, what did I think about Strong's Concordance? Strong's Concordance and the Young's Concordance, are they trustworthy? My answer for that is real simple. The books that are out today calling themselves the Strong's Concordances are not Strong's Concordances any more than the so-called New King James is a King James. It's not. These books that are calling themselves Strong's this, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the Strongest Strong's and all these other variations that they're using these are not Strong's Concordances, folks. Strong's has been dead for over a hundred years. He's not writing any books. So any books that's coming out today calling themselves Strong's is just people writing Strong's coattails. They're using his name to promote their agenda. So I would not trust a Strong's Concordance when it comes to definitions of words. That's where I draw the line. I do not trust a Strong Concordance when it comes to definitions of words. Because Strong's, for the most part, didn't write those definitions. People in the modern day wrote those definitions. And some of these people who are behind some of these books and commentaries do not like the King James Bible. They hate this book, and they hate the God of this book. And if they can put this God down and attack him through a commentary or through a concordance, they'll do it. I wouldn't trust a Strong's Concordance, I wouldn't trust a Young's, I wouldn't trust any of them when it comes to definitions. When it comes to cross-referencing verses, yeah, fine. Definitions? No. Wouldn't trust them on definitions. The last question I got was actually from a lady named Sheila. And she asked me to explain Deuteronomy chapter 28. And she says, explain Deuteronomy chapter 28, all of it. Well, there's a problem, though, with explaining Deuteronomy chapter 28, all of it. And that is the fact that Deuteronomy chapter 28 has 
68 verses. But when I began to read through Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm going, okay, I think I see what she's trying to get at. And I'm not trying to put her on blast or anything because she might not be a part of the crew that I'm talking about. So I don't want to falsely accuse anybody. But there is a movement out there. It's a small group, but they're loud. And because they're loud, a lot of people listen to them. And because they're loud, there are a lot of people that believe them, sadly. But there are some out there who believe that we Christians are supposed to abide by the rules and the rituals and the doctrines and the philosophies and the festivals and the feasts of the Old Testament Jewish people. They say that we're supposed to abide by the commandments, mainly the Sabbath. They really want to put the Sabbath on you really hard. And I'm not saying Sheila's part of that, but being that this is the chapter that she's wanting me to to go through, this chapter has to deal with blessings that come upon those who keep the law. But there are some things that needs to be pointed out. A lot of people misunderstand the Bible because they completely miss the context. Do we get the context of what's going on here in Deuteronomy 28? No. Why? How do I know you don't get the context from reading 28? It's real simple. Deuteronomy chapter 28 begins with the word and. And is a word that connects two sentences together. If it's starting with the word and, then that means that Deuteronomy 28 is continuing to expound upon what's talked about in Deuteronomy 27. So let's go back to 27. But when we go to verse 1 of Deuteronomy 27, it also begins with the word and which means it's expounding on what was talked about in chapter 26. So we go back to the beginning of chapter 26, and it begins with the word and. Which means that it's expounding on chapter 25. Maybe chapter 25 will give us the context to determine whether or not chapter 28 is talking about you and me in the modern day or whether it was talking about a group of people that lived about 4,000 years ago. So let's start at verse 1 of chapter 25 to see if we can get the context. It says, If there be a controversy between men and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be that if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face, according to his fault, by a certain number. Is this verse talking about us? Or is it talking about them back there? We're trying to get the context. Is this what the Bible is telling about what we should do in a court or for this group of people here 4,000 years ago and what they did? It's very important because if I'm supposed to expound on Deuteronomy 28, we need to know who the speaker's talking about, us or them. When you read down verse 3, it talks about 40 stripes shall he give him, shall not exceed, lest he should, uh, should exceed. And just sort of going into the level of beating. You don't want to overdo it, what the Bible is getting into. There's other things that have to deal here. Talk about the firstborn, uh, the elders of the city in verse 8. 
verse 9. Uh, there's a lot of things dealing here with how the Jewish people were to deal with various different things. It's not talking about us. It's talking about them back then. And when we understand that this is talking about what's going on with them back 4,000 or so years ago, then by the time you get to chapter 28, you understand that these blessings that are being talked about is not talking about us. How do we shove ourselves into 28 when we're not even in 25 or 26 or 27? We're going to shove ourselves in chapter 28? No, you got to keep the Bible in its context. Who is the speaker talking about? In the book of Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, these are the books of the Jewish law. The Jewish law, not us, their laws. The things that they did, the things that they were told to do. And in the New Testament, it made it very clear, even though they were given all these laws, they didn't really abide by them. Who can abide by the Ten Commandments? Let's just be honest about it. There are some people out there, they want to pat themselves on the back. They think they're keeping the commandments. They're only lying to themselves. They're lying to everybody else, telling everybody they're keeping the commandments. They're not. How do you know? It's real simple. The commandments are designed in such a way that if you break one, you're guilty of breaking all of them. And we humans, we live in the realm of time. It's all we know. Stuff's not here, then it's here, and then it's gone. That's all we know. We live in the realm of time. By the time we even realize there are laws to break, we've already broken them. By the time we even realize that there are commandments to be broken, we've already broken them. And the moment you've broken them, you're guilty before God. The Bible said you break one, you're guilty of breaking all of them in God's sight. And you can't go back and say, okay, from today forward, I'm going to keep the commandments. No, I tell people, it's like somebody murdering somebody. And then say, okay, now from here on, I'm not going to kill anybody else. I'm going to live a good life and I'm going to be a, a productive and, and good citizen. That doesn't cut it. You still got a dead body somebody's got to be held accountable for. When you sin, you've got a sin on you. You just can't say, okay, I'm going to live the rest of my life and, and, and not sin anymore. How can you? Have you seen the Ten Commandments? Hey, taking a good look at them? It ain't no way we cannot break at least one every single day. Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. The Bible said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a woman in that way, and you lust after her, You've committed adultery in your heart. Guilty. Come on, men. Raise your hands. Guilty. Some of you women, too. You're guilty. You looked at some men and went, hmm, I would love to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're human. We cannot not break the rules. The Bible said the commandments were given to us to be a schoolmaster. We can't keep those rules. There's only one who could keep them, and that's the one who made them. Jesus. And I tell people, the Jehovah of the Old Testament was Jesus. The Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. We still have the term today, the last will and testament. Well, when does the will go into effect? When the person who wrote the will died, that's when it goes into effect. Well, who's the one in charge of the Old Testament? Jesus. When did we get a New Testament? When he died. When he died, he nailed 
these old laws to the cross. We don't have that hammer hanging over our head anymore as Christians. We don't have that hammer hanging over us. The Bible makes it clear that nobody is justified by keeping the law. Nobody in God's eyes is justified by keeping the law. So you're not fooling anybody. If you're out there thinking, oh, I'm keeping the commandments, therefore, you know, I'm, I'm right with God. No, you're not fooling God. You're not keeping the commandments. You can't keep them. Nobody can keep them. If we could keep the commandments, there would have been no reason for Jesus to die. No reason for him to die at all. But he came and he died for us because we couldn't keep his laws. And the moment we broke his laws, we became sinners, and no sinners can get into heaven. You got to be clean. You got to be holy. And as human beings, we can't be clean. We can't be holy on our own with all this sin on us. As Randy Stonehill said in his uh, one of his songs, we'd be pretty depressed if we got to heaven and it was just like here. The name of the song is called Modern Myth by Randy Stonehill. We'd all be pretty depressed if we got to heaven and it was just like here. And everybody's sinning and cursing and swearing and drinking and smoking and... Why? No, Jesus can't give us better than that. Far better than that. So if we're going to explain, you know, Deuteronomy 28, we got to understand this ain't, this ain't written about us. This is written about the Jewish people, the laws and the things that they did. And God let them know, if you, if you do these things, I'll bless you. But sadly, when you begin to read through the Old Testament, they couldn't keep it, folks. They kept rebelling against God and following other gods and all kinds of stuff. And God would have to send judgments and judgments. And he would have to have their enemies come in and, and take them captive for a while and, and try to get them to wake up. And, and they would keep turning their back on them over and over and over and over and over again. Yet we in the modern day think that we can keep the commandments. God was there with them as they went through the desert in the tabernacle and they couldn't keep the commandments and God was right there. God's not physically with us here in our modern day and we think we can keep the commandments. Come on. Jesus didn't die so that we have to keep the commandments. He died so we can be forgiven because we broke his commandments. Be forgiven. Let that stuff go. So, there's your explanation. If you want to read all 68 verses of Deuteronomy 28, you'll just be reading about what was happening with them back there about 4,000 years ago. But it's not us. It's not written about us. At least not this part here. It's not written about us. And want people to understand that because way too many times in our modern day, people want to take Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy and say that pertains to us. No, it pertained to the Jewish people, the children of Israel and what they went through. And once we understand that, it'll take a lot of pressure off a lot of people that they don't have to live under the bondage of trying to follow all these rules and rituals and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't come here to put a heavy yoke on us and, you know, ready to beat us over the head because we broke his rules. I tell people, a lot of people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But very few people know John 3, 17, the next verse. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that's one of the problems with a lot of religions and with the cults today. They put you under condemnation. They make you feel guilty. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this. God's going to be angry with you, but you do this and do this. And they put all this condemnation on you. 
My King James Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God sent not his son into the world to condemn you. He already knows what you did. You might think nobody saw you. We did it in the dark. Ain't nobody see us. God saw you. Because what's darkness to us is bright light to him. Jesus saw you. Because he's God. He can be anywhere and everywhere. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So whenever two or three gather together in his name anywhere on the earth, Jesus is there. He can be multiple places at one time. And he saw you. You didn't get away with it. But you see, he's not waiting with a baseball bat to beat you over the head when you come walking through the door. He's got that nail-scarred hand out, reaching out, ready to forgive you. If you'll accept it. And that's one of the things a lot of religions and cults are not going to tell you. They want you to believe you got to earn God's favor. It's not the case. Nowhere in the Bible is it telling you got to earn God's favor. If we could earn it, again, there would have been no reason for Jesus to come and die. None whatsoever. We can't earn it. Again, what can we offer God? What are we? What are we? We think we're so great. We think we're so smart. I mean, after all, we live in the world of artificial intelligence now. Oh my goodness, they're creating their own gods. They can speak to you. They can speak in your own language. They can do all kinds of artwork and music and all kinds of stuff better than a human. Yeah, whatever. God's better. Jesus is better. God's word is better. What can we offer God? What are we going to do that's going to top what Jesus did on that cross? Tell me. What are we going to do that's going to top that? Nothing. We're beings of dirt, water, blood, bad breath and smelly armpits. And we think we're going to impress God. You want to impress God? Do what he said to Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. You don't got to be religious. Just pray and ask him, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I'm not going to try to hide it from you. You've already seen what I've done. You know what I've done. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. What's so hard about that? Repent. Turn your back on those old sins. He'll help you do it. You say, well, Jason, I, I, I curse. Yeah, I used to curse too. You'd never know it looking at me today because Jesus changed me. You might say, well, I, I, I drink. Yeah, a lot of people out there drink. You might say, well, I smoke. Well, a lot of people smoke too. Well, you don't know what I've done, Jason. I don't have to know what you've done. He already knows. But he's ready to forgive. He's waiting for you to come to him. And ask him to forgive you. One of my models is, he will take you as you are. But he will not leave you like you are. He'll change you. If you let him. But it starts with that first step where you asking Jesus Christ to come in your life and forgive you your sins. That's where it starts there. I have a video here on YouTube, How to Be at Peace with God. YouTube.com slash Jason Zelda. It goes in a little bit more detail and lets you know what the, the gospel story of the Bible actually is. I want you to understand it. So that's it for this video here. Hopefully I did okay. Hopefully I answered all the questions properly. If you have any more questions that you want to ask, leave them down in the comment section. I will try to make a video. 
to try to answer your questions. If I have answers, if I don't have answers, I'll try to research it, see if I can find them. I'll do my best. I got more surgeries coming up. Hospital bills. Uh, a lot of bills. It's been pretty much two years of back-to-back-to-back-to-back medical problems for me. And the bills are stacked up. But, uh, nonetheless, I'm going to continue to preach this book, continue to teach this book, continue to reach out and try to be there for you guys as often as I can. I hope you guys will uh, grab a hold of a copy of The Whistleblower's Lighthouse, my new ebook, located at www.jasonzelda.xyz jasonzelda.xyz is where you'll find the book and you can pay anything three dollars and up anything above two dollars you can pay whatever you want and uh, every bit will be very appreciated because like I said I got a lot of bills to pay right now and more surgeries coming up but one of these days I'll be back to 100% and looking forward to it and from now on I guess I'm gonna to have to end my videos not just saying I'll see you guys down the road because there are scammers out there now who are scamming people by pretending to be youtubers they will steal your profile picture using technology artificial intelligence and stuff they will put together a name that is looks like yours it might even be a copy of your name so it's got your profile picture and what appears to be your name and then they go down into the comments section and they will pretend to be the YouTube video maker and they start to scam people trying to get them to come to sites like telegram or whatsapp or various other places to try to get you to send them money and I want to let you know, folks, if anybody comes in the comments section using my profile picture and a name that looks like it's me, and they're trying to get you to go to a site like Telegram or WhatsApp or something like that, or telling you you won some kind of prize or something and you have to come to this site to get it, it's not me. I'm not going to send you to any other site but my music site, jasonzelda.com. And the site for my ebook, jasonzelda.xyz. If you want to send me money, if you want to contribute to this ministry, those are the only two places I'm going to send you jasonzelda.com and jasonzelda.xyz. That's it. Anybody else come to you claiming to be me, it ain't me. Anybody come to you trying to send you to some other site besides those two, it ain't me. Don't fall for it. I do not want you guys getting scammed. I don't want you getting ripped off. Okay? It's a disgrace that we live in such a society like this, but in a world of artificial intelligence, we are quickly approaching a generation where people are not going to be able to tell the difference anymore between reality and fiction, truth and lies. And we didn't ask for this, by the way. The powers that be are foisting this on us whether we want it or not. So I want you to be prepared. So if you guys want to be a part of this, go ahead, jasonzelda.xyz to get my ebook. You can pay anything, to, you know, $3 and above. And for my music site, jasonzelda.com, it's designed the exact same way. You can pay whatever price you want to pay for the music, or you can just listen to the music up to 100 times for free, each song for free. I just try to make it for everybody where they can reach it. I want to keep it affordable. There was a time in the past I was going to sell my book for $15. Says, no, forget it. I want to put it at a price where anybody who wants to get it can afford it. So if somebody wants to pay three bucks, they can pay three bucks. Someplace you can't even buy a cup of coffee for three bucks. But for a 500 page ebook that can help you reach your friends and family and hopefully get them to wake up and come out of the cult. I think it might be worth it. Thank you to those of you, by the way, who've also already purchased my book, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse. I'm pretty blown away by those that have um, purchased the book, the ebook already. 
and I hope that it's really helped out. Huge shout out to JW Escape, my good friend out there. Um, huge shout out to Christiane. Huge shout out to my friend uh, Laura as well. There's so many people out there. Uh, thank you to so many of you who have stood by me as I've gone through these medical issues. As I haven't made a Bible study video in probably a year and a half because of all these medical problems and everything. And in the future, I plan on making a video about these medical things that I'm going through because I've learned a lot of things for all the stuff that I've been through from the Bell's palsy to the ear infection to the blown disc in my neck to the high blood pressure to now the prostate cancer I want to put together a video of the things that I've gone through and the solutions that I've found in dealing with these things the prostate cancer one is brand new they just told me about it a couple of weeks ago I'm taking it all in stride because everything that's happened to me thus far the Lord Jesus has made a way for me to get a solution and when it's come to this prostate cancer issue I've come across something that's better than chemo and safer than chemo and I'll be talking to a doctor in a few weeks about getting it it's called HIFU H-I-F-U look it up on YouTube if you've been diagnosed with a cancer look up HIFU look it up it's ultrasound a new technology dealing with ultrasound which is super safe compared to the chemotherapy and all of its side effects I'm not a doctor I'm not going to pretend to be one but I plan on going through that surgery in the next few months and seeing if it removes the cancer and I'll get back to you and let you guys know the Lord's got me through so far let's see if it takes me the rest of the way so if you guys want to help me out here, jasonzelda.xyz, grab my ebook, The Whistleblower's Lighthouse. Use it to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or use it to reach these Jehovah's Witnesses. There are so many topics I cover in this more than 500-page PDF. So many topics that I deal with. And it was a labor of love that I did for you guys about a year to put that thing together. And I really hope that you guys will get a hold of it and use it. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Do what you got to do. And until next we meet, folks, it's been a while since you heard me say it in a Bible study forum. But I will see you guys down the road. Good night, everybody. The link to my ebook will be down in the description of this video. <laughs>